Hey guys, Lance here. Before this episode starts, we thought it would be best to take some time out to warn you, our beautiful listeners, of some possibly difficult themes that feature later on in the episode. At about the 44 minute mark, and lasting until the 1 hour 4th minute mark, we cover a lot of sensitive topics like abandonment, abuse, responses to trauma, toxicity in relationships, and parenting troubles. If you might be sensitive to any of these topics, please feel free to skip ahead as you see fit. The actual timestamps are included in the show notes. Now, we hope you enjoy the show. I'll never forget this day. Hey guys, I'm Lance. And I'm Kayla. We are the Jaded Roses, and this is our Broken Mirror. Where we dive deep down and take a really good look at ourselves, each other, and everything around us. Let's just hope we don't get any glass lodged somewhere unseemly. Welcome to the Jaded Roses uh, celebration of, I haven't run this name by you, but I'm going to call it Pokegra. (gasps) I love it. Because with our Valentine's Day episode going out today as of the recording. Yes. And Mardi Gras being, I think, Tuesday? I believe so, yes. But Pokemon Day is the 27th, which is the day this will be going out. So I'm calling this our Pokegras special. I love it so much. To celebrate, uh, I am drinking. Kayla's doing her own version of partying. I am. I am. (laughs) I'm in Washington. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'm in Mississippi, so. So. (laughs) You can infer the rest. There you go. (laughs) If we have story time, I know you said you wanted to share some things. Oh my god, I would love to share. May I share? Oh yes. Okay. First of all, I would like to, if we have any listeners left after my microphone incident in tarot, which will go down as uh, the <laughs> M-Day of the Jaded Roses because of that failed fucking mic. I'm not over it. But um, this week, it has been hell for me personally, but this recording has been what's getting me through the week. Like, just being able to get to this point of the week. Couldn't agree more. My setup today is ridiculous. So I reset up my desk anyway to try and make the mic situation better. But let me let me just share with you all um what I'm wearing and why it says to you I'm most likely a 54-year-old divorcee going through a crisis. So, what I have with me here is um some sparkling water. I have a Gatorade. I have water. I have over a dozen cookies that I decided to bake before this. In case I need a snack. And then I have my notes for today. And then let me tell you what I'm wearing. Because this is really where it's going to tell you what's going on. I have a headband in my hair. My hair is unwashed for the day. I'm wearing a huge Nike sweater. I'm in shorts. I have knee-length compression socks on. And fresh new fox booties that I have on my feet. We have snow outside. And I look like I'm in the middle of a crisis with dyed pink, purplish, thin hair. Oh, and because I wanted to say it's snowing outside. It's like 30, 20, 25, 30. And I have the heat on, but I got hot. So I turned the heat off while well, I turned it lower. And then I was still hot. So then I had to turn the fan on because I'm going through pseudo menopause because <laughs> I'm 50 fucking four. I've never felt more me in my life. I've been saying since I was like in middle school that I'm pretty much a 54-year-old divorcee. I have two ex-husbands, zero kids, and I finally feel like I do. I'm fucking 29. We have reached <laughs> peak, Kayla. 29. If this is my peak, I I need to be dead by 40. I need it at this point. I was going to have a celebration if I made it to the 40. At this point, I'm going to be happy if I don't, because what am I going to look like by then? No, look like fucking Sophia by 54 from Golden Girls. Like, I don't know what's happening to me, but it's happening to me. <laughs> yes, fucking snowing outside. There's like five inches coming. I love that your Bostonian is coming out. <laughs> I'm so upset. How? And the, this is the problem. He started like. Midwest to maybe Nashvilleian accent, and you switch just so hard to Bostonian. I know, I'm going go between that. those accents. I don't know why. I usually don't go into a Nashville accent, but sometimes I do now. I'm like, maybe, maybe I do have a little Southern in me. 
But <sighs> let me tell you that fucking snow, it's <laughs> fucking snow. Fucking ate it. And I I the problem is the reason why I'm so mad about this is I love that this is who I am right now. But it makes me fear how I will look and be when I'm fifty-four. Like if I'm already a 54-year-old woman inside with two ex-husbands, A, no wonder I can't date. And then B, what the fuck am I going to look like when I'm 54? Like, fuck. Maybe you'll circle back around. Oh, that's always a good look for an older person. <laughs> that's always you'll, a good look. You'll be the, the 60-year-old granny going to metal concerts. I was going to say, that was always going to be me. I was always going to still be going to concerts. I was going to have the pastel hair because my hair would be white or grayish by then. I could do pastels easily. And so, like, I was always going to be that bitch. But the problem is I'm worried that I'm too much. I'm getting too much to be a homebody because I'm in my middle age and I'm divorced that I'm going to stay like this. I'm not at the old age yet. But then that makes me fear, what's after that? Because I've never planned for after that. Like, I barely planned to that point. How the fuck am I going to live past that? And what do you look like at that point? I guess we'll find out. I'm going to need your kid to take care of me. Like, fuck you and your husband. They're going to need to take care of me when I'm 50. Like, I'm going to be hiring myself babysitters by then. (laughs) Fucking get over here, you two little shits. (laughs) I need you to roll me over to the TV. Fuck. It's gonna be like going to the fucking grandmother. They're gonna hate coming on an airplane. Like, okay, you gotta go see, you know, Aunt Kayla. Dad, we don't wanna. Well, little shit, we need a break and she's willing. It's free labor. She, she needs something in her life. <laughs> she needs something in her life. Her dog just passed away. She needs something in her life. We can't let her have another dog. She can barely walk to the bathroom anymore. Because I'm 50 fucking four already at 29. Uh. <laughs> so what's happened to you this week? You got any news? Lord, um, <laughs> got anything that can follow that? Literally, no. <laughs> sucks, and that's about it. How, how are you feeling inside? God. <laughs> <laughs> talking about me. You seem to be winding down, and we were just talking about how I'm coming up to an awakening. <laughs> We've got a, a summer-winter thing going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm 50 fucking four. Well, in the spirit of retaining youth, let's uh let's revisit some Pokemon, unless you have something else to share. I got a story about how Pokemon can make me feel old right now. Oh, Will Lord. that help? <laughs> <laughs> when I started Pokemon. Let me tell you children about when I was a youngin' so many eons ago. What's that meme that's going around? Like it's like the the old lady that's being walked on a walker by her daughter or something, and she's like, "When I was a kid, the Pokemarts and the Pokemon centers were two separate buildings." Mm-hmm. Okay, Grandma, time for bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just say that for everything. I love it so much. I love it so effing much. Continue uh, aging yourself if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Um, So I became into Pokemon when I was probably like seven or eight. I was pretty much when it was really fairly fresh in America. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it. I was like, again, I was a little girl watching it. And one of the things my mom bought me for, I think, a birthday was um, a Pokemon. Like, do you know those arcade games where you do like paint a ball and you try and like get it down like you try and get it down into the vein or like you don't you try not to get it down into the hole at the bottom when it's shot up and then it comes down on like it's a like a almost a vertical pinball machine yeah where you shoot it up to the top and then you it's guided by like spikes that are coming up yeah yeah and you control the spikes and stuff with your two fingers on each side yeah yeah so I had like one of those that was Pokemon style and I fucking loved it. And the reason why I say this makes me feel old is one of the few, well not few, it's one of the, it's one of those things that people when I tell them like, yeah, you remember those? They're like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, the little things. You know. The problem is though, it's more so a problem for me as a person because old and young, no one seems to remember that this was a thing you could buy at one point. But it was legit Pokemon, like it was a brand theme. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, so no one remembers it. I loved it. Yeah. I know the, the style of thing that you're talking about, but I yeah. don't remember that being a licensed product. It was one of those because it was like a one you could hold in your hands. Mm-hmm. And I, I fucking love that thing. I loved it so much. It had to be about seven or so. But yeah, it was like one of my favorite things. It was it's super old because it had all, everything was first generation. Like it was right. that that's how old it was. There was no other generations yet. It was still fairly new. We didn't know what dark and steel were. No, hell no. So back when Clefairy was normal. Exactly. That's how old I am. <laughs> what about you, you youngin? You and all your youth. <laughs> I told you, I think last week at some point, I don't think I remember when I was introduced to Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, it's just ingrained into my personality, almost. Mm-hmm. I know it had to be shortly after it came over to the States, because my earliest memory of yeah. Pokemon, I don't actually remember obtaining like the blue and red versions of the game. But I know I had them. And I know I had them before Gold and Silver, because Gold and Silver were the ones that I have the Christmas story about, which I can share. Okay. But my earliest memory of Pokemon was the first pack of cards that I ever opened. It was like at a flea market or something. I was with my mom and she was looking for like arts and crafts stuff to do because she loves arts and crafts stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I just see like I'd never seen like a collectible trading card game pack at all. It was just like, you know, this plastic that's made to look like metal sort of veneer yeah. and it's got a monster on it. it says pokemon what the fuck is pokemon yeah and i was just like it was all just colorful and it looked great and i was like i want that and she was like what even is that and i was like i don't know but i want it i want it now she bought it for me it was only like a few dollars or something because it was a fleet market so it wasn't like uh walmart prices Probably or expensive. something yeah and so i opened it and the i don't remember any of the other cards that were in the pack um, but it actually contained, uh, not a first edition, but it was a holographic Charizard from the original set. <gasps> That's really fucking cool. So that fairly obviously like hooked me for life. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. You nerd. I know. But yeah. So let me share with you some more anecdotes. It inevitably comes around on Christmas time because it's around Christmas when this happened. It was when the gold and silver games Gen 2 released. Mm-hmm. and I really wanted them. I had had red, blue, and yellow, and I was ready to get my hands on the next the next Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. Back then, my mom would make like this flare with Christmas back when my brother and I were younger. She would have two separate groups of gifts. She would have the ones that were from her and the ones that were from Santa. Oh, yeah. The ones from Santa were always kept secret, like in her room, in her closet, whatever, and she'd bring them out literally Christmas Eve night, and like, she's very good with like presentation and stuff, so she would Mm -hmm. like, we had two couches, so when it was both of us, she would like load the couch up with gifts from Santa, but the ones from her, she would wrap as she could get them done, Mm -hmm. and put them under the tree until Christmas Day. Yeah. And she usually let us have one on Christmas Eve, but all the other ones had to wait until Christmas Day. Yeah. I had very recently run into the, I don't want to say newfound freedom, because it had been a a few years of me sleeping in my own room. But like, I don't know, I just like, I was staying up later than I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. I was getting into my bad boy streak. Ooh. Being the mischievous scamp that I am and wanting those Pokemon games really badly, I was checking under the tree every night after my mom went to bed to mm-hmm. see, because, you know, it's, it's a fucking Game Boy box. There's, you can't hide that. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, I mean, I know you can, but like, I'm sure my mom, A, didn't expect me to go searching for it, and B, maybe she didn't realize that my spatial recognition was as sophisticated as it was back then. Mm-hmm. So uh, every night I would go and check under the tree and make yeah. sure that there weren't any, you know, suggestively mm-hmm. sized boxes that had mm-hmm. been wrapped. Okay, yeah. Well, this uh, particular night, I think it was like right after Thanksgiving. So like literally a few days after she put the tree up. Uh-huh. There it was. Oh, That square faced box that was light and if you gave it a light shake you could hear like this one piece of plastic just dooka 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 oh and i was like i found it (laughs) so i took it back to my room 
and meticulously, painstakingly, undid one of the flaps of the wrapping paper, pulled the box out. Uh-huh. It was Pokemon Gold. Oh. I knew I had hit the jackpot. Yeah. So <laughs> I took the plastic off of the box, took the game out of the box. No. Threw the plastic away, put the box back into the paper, and resealed it with another seat. A uh, piece of tape and oh put it back under God. the tree because I didn't want her to go looking and be like, "Hey, one of the boxes is missing," and that game was mine. So I was just playing it, whatever. I knew she didn't understand it, so she wouldn't have been able to, you know, look at the the screen on my Game Boy and been like, "Hey." I'm so in shock right now. It gets to be Christmas morning, right? Uh huh. I've had the game for about a month, and I get to that box to open. Uh huh. I didn't want to get in trouble. Uh huh. So I pretended like I didn't know what happened when I opened the box and there was nothing in there. My <laughs> mom starts going on a tirade, just swearing up a storm, saying she's going to, I think she got it from Toys R Us. She was going to call and sue Toys R Us and like this, that, and the other. And she was like, I guess to help calm herself down or something or before she took like the first step on her, you know, escapade against those who have wronged us. Uh-huh. She called my grandmother. Oh, no. Now, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's place. Oh, no. I was dropped off there in the morning before school. That's where I went after school until my mom got off work. All that good stuff. Oh, boy. And so, as she is relaying what has happened to my grandmother, mm-hmm. my grandmother goes, he's had that game since Thanksgiving. <laughs> God, I knew it was coming. <laughs> Oh my god. Liz, that was bold. That was bold on so many levels. I do not remember being reprimanded in any way. Honestly, I choose to believe that my mom was just so flabbergasted at my masterminding that (laughs) she just was like, what do I do? Oh god, that's so fucking funny. Do I punish him so that he knows he did something wrong? Or Uh. do I just let it slide because damn... Okay, so just a side note, because my mom had a similar issue at one point with my younger sister, I think. So when that happened, she didn't punish. The next Christmas, she increased the tape. So she <laughs> increases how much tape she used. Everything was taped down. You would have to retape everything, and everything was taped. It was not like a one, two, three. It was a 20 on one box for one person. Right. Never mind all the others. <laughs> I think the decision that my mom came to was that mm-hmm. she would, A, yeah. either never never buy a Pokemon game for me for Christmas again. Fair. Or B, if she did, make sure it was from Santa so she would just keep it hidden and not under the tree. Well, what also she should have done is, again, my mom had this issue with all three of us. I, I'm pretty sure all three of us had done something like this and she just increased the tape every time. <laughs> That's a lot of tape. She, oh... We knew she. We knew she was rapping when she. We saw like fifteen things of tape. We we're like, well, it's that, it's time, that time, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna. Oh, my younger sister still tried. She still tried every time. She was like, nope, gonna try it. Then she would fuck one up, and she's like, nope, not gonna risk it. Because <laughs> then my mom would say like, I'll just take away Christmas. And we were like, well, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. So we can't have that. Man, that's so much for one Pokemon game. I wanted those games. As I say, I was never someone who traded cards or did anything with the cards. I was someone who loved the show. I think that's how it started. I loved the show. I got Mm -hmm. stuff like games and different things like that associated with the show. I just liked the overall concept. Like you said, you know, it was it was really fun. It was colorful. It was an adventure. You know, they were relatable. It was, ah, yeah. she was 10. She was doing these cool things. And it's about friendship and coming together as a team to accomplish yeah. things. And-, mm-hmm. and learning, like, cooperation, learning how to communicate and stuff like that. So it's like, it was a really good show. And um, I'm sure it still is because I know it was still on. But, I mean... When I watched it actively, it was very good. So that's how it started for me. Because, like, I remember I had 
I had a poster of Pokemon from the first, it was the first movie. I also got the soundtrack from the Pokemon, the first movie. Right. And then, um, like I said before, I had that little ping pong, like, game thing. Yeah, it was stuff like that. It was just like, I was not someone who did the card stuff for some reason. I think it was just too much for my brain at that time, because I was having a hard time, like, understanding people anyways. So adding more games where you had to be strategic was not ideal for me at that time. Wow, that was a lot you went through. And that was bold that you did that with your grandmother. Because, like, I, I've never met your grandmother. But from what I know about her, th- she's not someone who I would play with like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I done anything to my grandma. It was just, like, because I was there so much, that's where my yeah. Game Boy was. And so no, she she what... was just aware. So, like, one day she exactly. asked me, like, oh, what's that? And I was like, surely this won't get me in trouble. And I was like, oh, it's Pokemon Gold. That's what I mean. I was going to say, I didn't mean to, like, oh, she had, you know. It was a little thing. It was more so like, your grandmother notices things based on the stories you told me. That's why I said that's bold. That was bold. My mistake was not keeping it secret to the bad secret keeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because adults are going to stick with the adults when it comes to stuff like that, especially parents with parents. I know. I know now. Yeah. I was super big into like the cards and stuff mm. naturally because I was gripped by a fucking holographic Charizard, which has since I believe become the most expensive Pokemon card. Wow. But it's not first edition, so it's not like super big. Yeah. I collected all the way into like middle school. Wow. And even into middle school, I was going to what was called the Pokemon League. It was held at Books a Million here in Jackson, and it was just people would come with their decks and they would just battle it out and every so often you could go to the league champion and have a sanctioned battle to obtain a badge which would be a stamp in this little like passport booklet looking thing that you got for joining the pokemon league wow okay i'm sure my booklet is still at my grandparents place but i don't believe i managed to get all the way to the rainbow badge you would probably remember that i do think i got at least to the marsh badge Even though I've enjoyed it immensely, it's still, even at that young age, even before I became so self-conscious, which happened later on in middle school, it felt weird to be as competitive as I was being. So I just didn't go very far with that. Oh, okay. But yeah, and I do have some interesting stories around the uh, cards. I remember getting into a fight with one of my best friends at the time in elementary school over Pokemon cards. And that led to us not talking for almost a decade. Wow. Right. (laughs) I don't even know how to process that. Like we had been like as close as friends could be. We would like regularly spend the night over each other's houses like every other weekend and whatnot. And like, I forgot what he said but i was like no that's wrong and we ended up fucking fight like almost coming to actual physical blows and i ended up calling my mom and being like come get me i don't want to be here anymore like we were like six or seven and so we didn't like talk until until high school no really that's insanity that long Uh, yeah and it just i don't know i just we didn't talk (laughs) that's crazy but at, at some point in middle school, I I don't know why I invited this boy over to my grandparents' house because it was during the summer. Mm-hmm. At some point in middle school, because we weren't like friends, so I forget what the buildup was. Maybe you had like a project with him or like you had a crush on him? I don't think so. Like we hadn't really interacted since like oh. great, early, early grade school. It turns out that, like, he was big into Pokemon, and so I was like, oh, well, cool, I have, like, this expansive collection, because I'm still collecting, and everybody else stopped, like, five years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he came over, and we, like, played some games, and we battled each other with the cards a few times, and, you know, whatever. And as he was leaving, apparently my grandma had gotten a really bad vibe from him. Like, wait, is it this, like, a little kid? Yeah, we were, like, in okay. middle school. I just wanted to clarify that because yeah. I remember you were saying, like, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I was yeah, still yeah. remembering this. Okay. Because she got that bad vibe from him and she mm-hmm. knew that we had been, like, all over my Pokemon card collection. She went through. Uh, she also knew that I was very, and I still am, like, I can, I have the binders of my Yu-Gi-Oh collection right here next to me. I'm very meticulous in how I file things. Mm-hmm. 
when I build decks with like my Pokemon or my Yu-Gi-Oh and I know I'm going to keep them and just update them as I go through life, mm-hmm. I will like no longer count those as part of my put up collection. And so my whole binders have to be redone. Wow. Okay. So because she knew that and because every literally every summer I was redoing how I was organizing my Pokemon cards. Once Yu-Gi-Oh got big, I was reorganizing my Yu-Gi-Oh cards every year. Like that's what I spent my summer doing. And because she knew that about me, she decided to flip through my collection and she saw that like five or six holographic cards were just (gasps) gone. Oh no. So like literally as this boy is exiting the house to go get in whatever parent's truck came to pick him up, she just like went full on mama bear. Like, they couldn't have been worth much and it's not like he stole like a first edition of anything or anything like that. No, but they were yours. Yeah. And so she was just like, where the hell are they? Uh, I know you took blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This, that, and the other. And like, once she got them back, she was, she looked at whoever was picking him up and was like, he can't come back here. Oh. <laughs> and then I left. Yeah. No, I never really, um, I think I interacted with some people about Pokemon. I don't think ever Pokemon was really a huge thing in my friendships until like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And that's when I met a friend who um, actually occasionally listens to us. And oh well, hi, hi. No, me and her would sing um, the Pokemon theme song to each other. Right. Yeah. Like we would just go into songs and we would just do it, and we would give it all. all. I don't know a performance we did where it wasn't like a hundred and fifty percent we gave. Oh yeah. I mean a performance. Like we were in, we had motions, we were feeling it. I feel like that's a staple of American childhood in the late 90s and early knots. Definitely. Definitely. It was it was definitely something that connected us. And it was like, again, it was seventh grade. Like, that's when I brought it up. I think she brought it up. I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I remember when the Red and Blue remakes came out because I was in middle school. And my best friend at the time, we had strategically planned for me to get one version and she would get the other and we would play at the same time around each other so that we could work out the differences without having to look them up. Like, Aww. we were super nerds. I love that. And then we would trade any, like, version exclusives to each other. Aww. That's so nice, though. But see, now I've grown up and I got, like, fucking X and Y, I think is when it started. That, like, I was determined I was going to get all of the Pokemon and there's a chronicle on Facebook from years past mm-hmm. where I had struck a deal with my friend where if I could get the National Pokedex completed, mm-hmm. would buy me a trophy and engrave it and get it engraved. Oh! And I still haven't done that. That spurred like going all the way back to my red and blue and literally trading them up one device at a time. Do you know how painstaking that is? I like a lot. Because going from the Game Boy to the DS, you have to go through Pokemon Box because they can't communicate to each other. And so you had to get the Game Boy games, put them in the DS after trading up because, you know, like you can't have a Pokemon in your party from uh, a later version while Mm -hmm. talking to an older version because they don't know what that is. Yeah. So I had to trade up meticulously all the hard to catch Pokemon, all of the ones that I worked so hard in earlier generations to get, and oh, then no. import them using the DS to Pokemon Box, and then download them onto a DS game, and then import from the DS to the 3DS, because the X and Y was on the 3DS, not the regular DS. Ugh, I would hate all of that. And I still didn't have them all. And, like, I had to work so hard because X and Y came with, like, the GTS, the global trading system, where you could, like, basically Craigslist Mm -hmm. a trade. And so, but you also had to be careful about uh, hackers because hackers could hack a Pokemon and then it's technically not what they're sending you. Oh, no. That was a whole, like, crisis because you had, like, I think it was called Wonder Trade, where you basically just, like... I don't know, yeet your Pokemon across the world and somebody else yeeted their Pokemon across the world to you. And so you didn't know what you were getting. All you knew was what you were sending. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I oh. I would have paid to do all that. I never actually played a game for Pokemon until last year with Pokemon Shield. Sword and Shield. I still need to finish this. 
I need to finish I'm falling game. behind. I'm way behind on everything. In the spirit of Pokemon Day, uh, we yes. already s- shared stories about mm-hmm. outside the exclusive world of Pokemon and just real life things. But mm-hmm. we figured we would celebrate Pokemon by talking about like our favorites and like if we were gym leaders, what our teams would be, that kind mm-hmm. of deal. We also have, uh, I, th- I believe it's a song from the first or second season. What kind of Pokemon are you? Yeah. I can hear it, but I mm-hmm. couldn't find it. I also didn't look too hard. But we'll also have a, a segment of the episode, uh, What Kind of Pokemon Are You? Which will be fun. Yeah, it is a song. Well, look at me. Yeah, and then we'll uh, probably close out the episode talking about our different stories about like the movies and the anime because we haven't really talked too much about the actual show. That's true. But yeah, where, 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 where to start? Well, do we want to start with just, like, our basic, like, top three we would want? Like, or, like, our top three favorites? I don't know what, how we're going to define favorite. I don't know if I would personally want all of these Pokemon, but I am very attracted to these Pokemon yes. in a yes. in a spiritual sense. Exactly. That's what this is. It's more so, like, what three Pokemon are, like, your favorites. It's not something you would, I'm not saying we would build our Pokedex with this. I'm saying we would just love we just love these Pokemon, kind of like right. you love bears or something. It's something you love, but you don't necessarily. You wouldn't want a bear. Well, you I identify was, with bears. I, say, I, I mean, I'm Maybe. sure some people do. I was gonna say, I know some people like some bears, but that's a different kind of bear. That's true, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we can talk about. I think our first, like the top three Pokemon that we like. Yeah, our top three out of. A thousand plus that we have now. Exactly. And I figured we could go in reverse order so that we have a lead up to the favorites of the podcast. Okay. Mine is probably not going to make any sense. Like, I don't think any of mine make sense. If you were to look at me and try and guess my Pokemon, I don't think you would guess these. But we'll find out. We'll see if Lance can guess these. That's not the game. That's not the game. (laughs) That's not the game. (laughs) I will, I will let you know if I have, if they came out of left field for me. I Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> if we wanted to do a guessing game, we could do that. But interestingly enough, number three for me is mm-hmm. the newest of the Pokemon on my list. Okay, I think that's probably the same for me. It's an unusual type combination that you don't see too often. Okay, I love this already. Also, interestingly enough, because I'm never particularly drawn to starters, but it is a, a final evolution of a starter Pokemon. Oh, okay. Is it Charizard? No, that's Gen 1. How? <laughs> I thought you said it was Gen 1. No, it's it's one of the newest. It's, oh, it's like shit. the newest on my list. It's from the, the most recent generation <laughs> on my list. <laughs> the opposite of what I said. <laughs> I was paying You said it like you under you said it like you understood so when you were like Charizard. <laughs> what? Yeah. I really thought I got that one. I was so <laughs> confident. Well, uh that was beautiful. That was a beautiful moment. And so what's he third one again? <laughs> Just as you know, for everyone else who doesn't know what your third one is. So uh my number three is Decidueye. What's that one? It is uh the final evolution of Rowlet, I believe from Gen seven. I think so. I think it's okay, from Sun okay. and Moon. Oh, okay, okay, I know which one you're talking about then. It's ghost grass, it's an owl. Mm-hmm. And uh it has its own specific move where it fires a ghost arrow. Very cool. And that's that's just uh ghost archers are kinda my speed. Yeah. I feel like that's what you would, like, want to marry. If there was a goat archer as a po- person, you'd be like, yeah, I fucked that. So any dead Sagittariuses out there? Woo! <laughs> uh, show me what you can do with that, though. So my number three is Eevee, actually. Okay. I like the... So I, I don't think I would have picked it for you, but... Yeah. I like the... There's plainness in it, but because there's plainness, it's kind of like the fool. Like, it can do anything. I was going to say, it's, it shows you also how easy it is to mold yourself into something. If you yeah, want to All you gotta do, do is shove a rock up your ass. Look, I've done way worse <laughs> things. Like, I'm sure if I really thought hard, I probably have. <laughs> I mean, it's not the. It's not like that's what I'm gonna do on a Saturday night. Whew. No, that's a special occasion. I was gonna say maybe Valentine's Day. That's tomorrow. 
yeah, Evie is just really, I love Evie because, like you said, it's very um, inconspicuous. You, mm-hmm. You're not seen as a threat. It is very playful. It's very lovely. And again, I just love the flexibility that it has to itself. It's not, like, limited. You know, it's kind of like how a lot of them are limited unless some of them have different variations among cells. But Evie's most diverse, I would say. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just I just like that there's so much flexibility in what you could be, and you choose your path of that. And I think that's why a lot of Eevees, like, Eevees are cute, and, like, they evolve into very pretty Pokemon. But yes. I do think that's also the aspect of the fact that you can just become whatever you want to be. And, you know, sometimes it's chance, and then sometimes it's, you know, certain stones. It's just like you need to be open to all possibilities of yourself. There's no one destiny or path you have to go on. And I think that's right. why I like it. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that a lot. I always thought they were pretty, but as I've gotten older, it's still one of my favorites. And I think that's why it's one of my favorites now. Fun fact, I yes. actually bought Let's Go Eevee before I bought Let's Go Pikachu. So for those who don't know, I own every main game. Yeah. Like if every generation I buy all three or both games, like, cause it's mine, yeah. <laughs> but I bought Eevee before I bought Pikachu because I was super excited to have like a fucking Vaporeon behind mm-hmm. me and all of that. But then it turns out that you can't evolve your starter in let's go. Oh, so I was very upset. That is upsetting. But every time I would go into the menu to play with Evie and she'd be like, Evie, it would just melt my heart and it didn't oh, matter. That's cute. See, that's it's like it's a cute thing. It's very powerful, though. So Yes, there's there's great potential, even though mm-hmm. the form of it is unassuming at the minute. Exactly. And I think that's why it's one of my favorites. It's not an obvious thing. You, you know what's going to happen. What about your number two? So my number two, mm-hmm. to narrow it down a little bit more, is... Gen 2, so it's okay. not Charizard. Okay, I was listening. It's uh actually inspired by uh, my specific love of dogs. Ooh. Especially because it ties together two of like my favorite types. It's not my favorite type, but two of my favorite types. Mm-hmm. My number two is actually Houndour. Is that the one with the black spike and like spike things and red tips on their feet and stuff? Yeah, and it's the it's specifically the lesser version. It's not the evolved form of Houndoom. Okay. okay. Even though I do like Houndoom, but Houndour has like that that pit lab vibe mm-hmm. that like that that's my that's my jam. Yeah. That's, that's a comfortable space really? for me. I was gonna say when you were describing it, that's what immediately popped into my head. So I was like, is that it? Is that the one he's describing right now? I love Houndour. I was gonna say that suits you very well. The dark fire dog. Mm-hmm. Basically Cerberus with one head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, would, that's my speed. You would love <laughs> to have one in real life. I can see you with that. God, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will add yeah. that, and we'll get to this with my number one, but I think I'm safe in telling you that my number three actually used to be Pichu Ooh. before Decidueye came out. I liked the idea of like a baby Pikachu that can't yeah. control its electricity. That's so Sort cute. of in the same vein as your Eevee. Like it, there's a yeah. lot of power there, even though it doesn't look like it. Mm-hmm. See, I just like those. I like the unassuming. Okay, so for my number two, it's Jigglypuff. Oh, that's so interesting. Really? We'll, we'll get to that, but <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm so excited for that, guys. I don't care now to explain why. Jigglypuff, because I just love a bitch that knows what they can do and is confident. Like, that bitch will sing her heart out and knock your ass out into sleep. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's my heart right there. I feel like I do that naturally. At this point in the episode, I'm sure you guys are getting a little heavy-eyed, a little sleepy. It's because I'm so soothing like that. And I understand this about me. We're relatable, me and because I remember in the show, it would just be like, she'd be fine. Like, mm-hmm. a whole episode, she'd be fucking fine. And mm-hmm. then as soon as somebody made fun of her, <gasps> laughed yep. at her, ignored her singing, she would yes. just be like, motherfucker! <laughs> I love it! I love it so much! That's why I love the, a- I love the anime so much, because of her. <laughs> oh, Jigglypuff. So that's yes, my number two. That'll be very interesting in whatever phase we get to gym teams. Yeah. Yeah, so the number one spots. If 
you go back in my Facebook history, you will actually not be surprised my number one pick. It has been my number one pick since Gen 1. Ooh, what is this? I actually have, if you remember, you were around me enough, you might remember. Uh, I actually have a sticker of this Pokemon on my laptop. (gasps) Oh, shit. I've seen your laptop. Um... (laughs) And remember how I said Houndour was two of my favorite types, but does not include my favorite type. Yes. And that's what I'm trying to think about. I'm going to say your favorite type is probably poison. Is it poison? No. What's your favorite type? Well, if I tell you my favorite type, it really narrows it down because there are only so many. Oh, fuck. <laughs> See how I avoided the number? Because yeah. that would still give it away oh, in Gen okay. 1 of this type. Um. So what is it? Just Then let's just go to what is it? What is this Pokemon? Instead, let me paint a picture for you. Ooh, okay. All right. I like the theatrics. Do you remember as Ash goes against Sabrina for the Marsh Badge, and the first time he gets his ass thoroughly kicked, like Kadabra did a number on Pikachu a few times in the same session, and then they get transported out, and in order to beat Sabrina, Mm -hmm. Ash has to have one thing. He has to have one thing. He has to have a particular type of Pokemon, Ooh. which doesn't make sense, by the way, in the games, because these Pokemon are weak to psychic attacks, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Ooh. And so what happens through the episode is they go to this decrepit mansion to try and find this type of Pokemon. Is it a ghost Pokemon then? Yes. Oh, is it, um, is the, uh, isn't it, uh, not Ghastly, Ghastly's the, it's ghost something because it is like shaped like a ghost with claws right and it's purple you're getting there everybody in that line is purple though yeah but this is like see-through kind of look the the big thing is that during the episode ash basically kind of dies i believe like a piece of the building falls on him or something and while he's knocked out the ghost pokemon of the mansion actually take his conscious or his soul or whatever and make him a ghost and then he flies around with them and they have antics and all of this stuff but there's one particular one that he forms a bond with and it's the one that goes back to sabrina with him he doesn't actually catch it but it joins him in defeating sabrina and i just love its spirit for fun it's also not fucking stupid like its evolution (laughs) my favorite pokemon Mm-hmm. is haunter haunter was i describing it right though yes it so it's like it's non-corporeal it's kind of like if you view the ghastly line as something that's coming into our world from another dimension yeah ghastly is like the head haunter is the head plus the arms mm-hmm. and then gengar is the whole body okay and gengar is stupid uh yes. fight me if you want i don't like gengar Ooh. Gengar is stupid. I don't get why Gengar has to be the evolved form of Hunter. I feel like Hunter Hunter's should be really the good. stop. As I say, I Hunter, love Hunter. Hunter's the main one I've always seen. Like I don't see most people evolving it. Well, that's because you have to trade it to evolve it. It just sounded like you were like just doing and that's that's what Hunter sounds like when he laughs. Oh, means same. Okay. Oh, Hunter. I was going to say, Ghost, yeah, that seems like your yeah. speed more. Ghost is my favorite yeah. type. <laughs> I, was like, I was thinking poison, because I also know you like a little sting. So. Oh, I mean, yeah. So that's why I was thinking poison. I was like, I feel like it's poison. I forget about ghosts every time, though. But I also don't like when people think about me too much, so I don't like to use my sting. Oh. <laughs> no. If I sting, I want it to kill. <laughs> Fuck. Um... <laughs> So my number one, do you want to try and guess my number one? I mean, there are a thousand possibilities. I know it's not Eevee or, give me a second, Jigglypuff. Yeah. Gonna have to narrow it down a little bit. A little bit. Uh, mine is first generation. Okay, I like it. Fire. Okay. Big. It'd be interest- it would be interesting if you got another one that I wanted to put on your gym leader team. Oh, okay. I don't that think so. That would be so. so interesting. I don't think so. Y- you said it's big? Mm-hmm. Okay. It has wings. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking Moltres, Charizard. It's one of those that you said. I feel like, kind of feel like you wouldn't identify too much with Charizard. You might, though. But I feel like the elegance of Moltres might outweigh any identification with Charizard. Because Moltres is just flowy. Mm, 
okay. So it was, she's, in, she, they're up there. But Charizard is my favorite. Oh. Yeah. Charizard is my favorite. Well, look at you. I got one tangentially related. Yeah, he did. By yeah. the way. The reason why I like Charizard is, again, one of those things where I related back to the actual anime. And I've just always related to him best, I guess. Um, I'm not really sure. A strong, or... independent Charizard don't need no trainer. Okay, now I know why I relate to it. (laughs) (laughs) But also, so there's a very interesting conversation that I've always like wanted to have in a deep way about Charizard. So in the anime, Mm -hmm. Ash finds Charmander as a Charmander Mm -hmm. who is being abandoned by his trainer, Mm -hmm. who is being left out in the rain, by the way, which can kill them. Do we need to talk about that? We're going to talk about emotional (laughs) stuff anyway. Might as well tease it a little bit. But they can die. And Ash finally is just like, I'm taking this Charmander. Like, you clearly don't want him. Mm -hmm. And he is worth so much more in the hands of someone who's not his chosen trainer than you. Mm -hmm. So everything's good. Charmander does great with Ash. So great, in fact, that it evolves into Charmeleon. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it fucking evolves, it has this sort of like teenage rebellion against mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Charmeleon's the one that starts like burning Ash on purpose and not listening to him and mm-hmm. doing exactly just what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the final evolution to Charizard, where in the anime, Charizard is very much, I'm doing what I want. Like, I don't care why you brought me here, what we're doing. If there's nothing that I perceive as a threat to, like, my big dick energy, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Which is why it was the perfect choice, honestly, for when he went against Blaine with the Magmar. But the conversation I want to have is Mm -hmm. in the nature of evolution in the Pokemon world and why Charmeleon and Charizard rebelled against Ash. When clearly he was the trainer and clearly he was putting in the emotional investment that the previous trainer just was completely incapable of giving. Why would they rebel and fight against a nurturing, even though Ash has his flaws, we can get into all of that at the end when we talk about the anime. (laughs) But Charizard was the one that like he really stuck with other than like Pikachu. Yeah. Like he wanted Charizard to like him. He desperately did. And it really seemed like Charizard couldn't give two fucking shits until that later episode where he just comes back out of fucking nowhere and rescues him from whatever Pokemon was reigning terror. But like, it really gets my brain Mm -hmm. thinking, especially when I take into consideration the nature. And I actually have had conversations like this with Brian Mm -hmm. talking about the nature of trade evolution and what that means. Like what in a in a lore sense does it mean that a pokemon can only evolve if it's traded yeah but specifically back to the charizard topic i i still don't know exactly where i stand but i know that clearly there is a resentment in Charmander. I believe in Charmander it's more so on his previous owner. Mm-hmm. It is. There has to be a tinge on Ash. Mm-hmm for not letting him see the relationship with his previous trainer to its end, whatever that was supposed to be before Ash. Whether his original trainer saw the potential in him or whether he died out in the fucking rain. I believe that Charmander holds a very deep-rooted anger, resentment and anger toward Ash. Even though Ash was the one that was giving him the attention, giving him love. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not what Charmander wanted. And so when it evolved into Charmeleon, it just became that resentment turned outward. Mm-hmm. It was like, clearly, this is where I'm supposed to be, but I really don't fucking like it. It's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want. And there could also be like a, a kind of showmanship to it where, because the old trainer whose name escapes me, Damien or something, he didn't see the value in Charmander. He mm-hmm. did not believe that Charmander was strong. He did not believe Charmander was worth training. Yes, yes. So as it evolved, Charmeleon is on full display. Just, mm-hmm. I'm showing my strength. I don't care. 
I'll fight anybody and everybody. Fuck whoever gets in my way. Mm-hmm. And then once it evolves into Charizard, Charizard almost has this like, clearly I've proven myself, so I'm good. When I come out, I can just lay down. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody steps up and wants to threaten my manhood, then, you know, I guess I'll fuck him up. Whatever. But please talk. <laughs> okay. I, I guess I, I just want clarification. The whole thing is like, why under trauma under he's okay, but as he progresses, he he acts he gets out more, more combative. He gets, and then okay. eventually he becomes completely just ambivalent to Ash's existence. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can explain it. This is how I perceive it. I'm clarifying this way. I, I have taken psychology classes. I know people with experiences, and that's pretty much where I'm gonna leave it at. But have you taken Poké Psych? I mean, in my dreams, that counts. (laughs) We'll count it. We'll count it. We'll count it? Okay. So, um, my thing is, yes, so Ash did take him from his trainer. The Mm -hmm. Charmander knows that that was the right decision because it's safe. Now, he's not thinking of it as a decision of, like, he took me from someone. He's thinking of it as I'm safe. Like, I'm in a better place. You know, as he's getting further into becoming involved he's probably starting to think more about this situation he's probably seeing more about ash and it's getting feelings riled up and then you get into like a little bit of an anger stage where you still love the person but they trigger you in different ways and you get angry when triggered and so you act out then you progress into a stage where you know the person cares about you but the situation that involves both of you is too draining mentally anymore. And you start to just focus on yourself and keeping yourself balanced and keeping yourself, you know, however you need to keep yourself going. It's like if you go through any traumatic experience, honestly, you are just grateful you're safe again. And, you know, you're reeling from just being safe and comforted. And then you start reeling that, oh my God, I actually went through something. Oh my God, I actually... (laughs) That was actually a traumatic event that happened to me. You're actually making a lot of sense where, like, Charmander is clearly, undisputedly, being traumatized. Mm -hmm. And damn near on the brink of death. Mm -hmm. And Ash comes along and scoops him up. Mm -hmm. So naturally the the first reaction is either going to be like that sort of apprehension toward whoever because your last trainer traded treated you like shit so mm-hmm. or you're going to fully embrace it and ash from the outset was very much just like oh my god you need help mm-hmm. let me take you yeah so i feel like charmander never naturally gravitated toward that because i Safety. feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna assume his name is damien <laughs> that's fine do that i know there is a damien in pokemon i just can't remember which one it's fine everyone Everyone will understand what you're talking about. But I feel like Damien from the outset couldn't have had that sort of reaction for Mm -hmm. Charmander. He had to have been hard from the start. So maybe that's why Charmander was more apt to go with the security rather Mm -hmm. than proceeding forward with apprehension. So as we progress further, he's gotten used to the safety. Mm Mm-hmm. And as he starts to come to terms with, oh shit, that was a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. but I don't understand, maybe he doesn't understand why Ash is being nice to him. Maybe he expects that it'll happen again. So maybe Damien was nice at the outset. Because I feel like, I feel like the reaction of Charmander is very much like, I'm going to show you my power. It's not so much that he doesn't care about Ash. He yeah. he wants to prove himself to something. Yeah, he wants to be proven ro- worthy. And as he feels like he has accomplished that, he becomes Charizard. And Charizard is very much just like, I'm taking care of me. I've done what I set out to do. And like, I'm sorry if you called me out of my Pokeball. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. I've done what I was sent here to do kind of mood Mm -hmm. and i i feel like the moving on past a traumatic experience and even with somebody who's helped you through it not even like the aggressor which is a completely Mm -hmm. different dynamic Mm -hmm. it's very tough to redirect how you channel your energy toward people Mm -hmm. when the dichotomy is toxic or not manipulative or not Mm -hmm. abusive or not 
And when Charmander finally figured out how his interaction with Ash worked, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when he evolved. Yeah. But then Charmeleon's personality, like more of the negatives, more of the the less comfortable parts of Charmander were what came up. Mm-hmm. And he he needs to to prove he's got a big dick and big balls. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to Charizard, it's just like I've you know, I've done what I wanted. I'm yeah. here now. Well, I think it's also too like and I think this could go for any Pokemon that went through a traumatic experience, especially as, you know, the starting Pokemon. It was definitely like I wanna oppress him and prove my worth that I should be in his, you know, group on mm-hmm. his team. And then it went through the stage of like, yeah, I'm processing now everything that I just went through. And I think he was comfortable with Ash because Ash did make him feel safe. So he could explore and act out his emotions a lot easier than if he was with his previous owner. Do you think... It's going to come up later, so I'm just going to spoil the alert. Ash is horrible. Yeah. I'm just going to get that out there. Okay. But... He's 10, and he's being given a whole... I don't care! (laughs) He makes bad decisions! Well, no, I agree, but I'm saying, like, if we're going to go into it, like, let's just talk about why i'm not going into it right now i know i'm just i'm getting out of the way before i ask do you think especially charmeleon keyed into the fact that ash is fucking awful and that do you think that contributed to his showiness possibly like oh you don't even see my real worth anyway here we go yeah kind of so i definitely think that could definitely be part of it because Again, in the first, when he's just Charmander, he wants to Mm. impress and prove his worth. Now he's also had time to get to know Ash. But as Charmander, because that was his first, that's still in the immediate, let's say, recent incident. So he's still in the grateful, just to be safe at this point, stage of thinking. Okay. Then you get into uh, Charmander and he goes into mindset of, yes, I'm safe. But I don't deserve to be treated this way. I'm going to fight even though he makes, he's, you know, I'm not going to get hurt. He's not going to purposely harm me. But this is his way of saying to him, like, you need to stop. Like, I'm proving myself, you know, if you really want to be a dick, I can be a dick right back to you. And I'll take the shit out of it. What if there's like an almost, not Stockholm Syndrome, there's there's another name for it when like, so, like, Charmander was obviously treated like shit yes. before he met Ash. Exactly. And as Charmander, he did revel in the fact that Ash didn't treat him. As bad. Right. But then once he gets to Charmander, you you had said it just a little earlier, where, like, he doesn't deserve to be treated like mm-hmm. that. So it's like Charmander's almost begging him, treat me badly. Well, I don't think it's more There's, so- Like, I know, I, I like... I don't want to, I know I said that, but like, I know there's more layers to it than that. But just to put it on the surface level, this part of the conversation that I'm on right now, like the sort of I'm acting out, punish me kind of not as a, not in a sexual way for no you know, but he's kind, of, he's kind of trying to start to threaten him like if you don't have yeah to so he he he's more comfortable being put down as Charmander. than he is being the powerful charmeleon that he has recently become so let me see if i'm if i understand what you're saying so what you're saying is you know he is comfortable he knows his place with ash he knows what to do to make ash happy and he knows ash is not gonna hurt him and he's learning that. And then as Charmeleon, he's able to pretty much say, like, you need to treat me better. And if you don't, I do not care about putting you in your place anymore. Because I deserve better. It's not even quite like that. It's almost okay. like a victim complex is about where I'm coming from. Where, like, he, as Charmander, you know, he was treated like shit. And it's yeah. like, I've seen it in especially toxic relationships. Where, like, like I knew this, this guy that dated the same man for, like, six or seven years of his life Jesus. and he he treated him like shit um and i mean like but right off right like pretty much right out of high school he was 18 they got together and then until he was like 23 24 they were together and the older part of the relationship treated him like shit and so he doesn't know how to really recognize first off when he's been being treated well mm-hmm. he's uncomfortable once he does realize that he's being treated in a positive way because he has equated love and care to toxicity okay. in his brain. And so 
that's kind of where I'm coming from with Charmander and Charmeleon specifically, where like he he likes that he feels safe with Ash, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't feel like that's a good thing. Okay. He's uncomfortable with it. So do you think that's the same reasoning from Charmeleon to Charizard then? I feel like that's a little different because like okay. so. That's why I wanted to ask, because I was like, the first part makes sense, but I'm like, the last part wouldn't make sense to me. But the progression to the laziness gets a little weird. Okay. Once he becomes Charmeleon, he realizes from from this very, very narrow part of the discussion mm-hmm. is where I'm coming from. I, I like I fully am aware that there's a lot of psychological layers to this that we could unpeel. Mm-hmm. But coming from the, the, the victim complex, from Charmander not being comfortable with being treated well by Ash and going into Charmeleon, you have that sort of whereas charmander wouldn't do anything to be made to hurt because to him he didn't have to do anything to be made to hurt that was just how damien treated him Going from Charmander to Charmeleon now, because Charmander didn't ever have to do anything with Damien, and then feeling kind of safe, but being uncomfortable with that with Ash going forward, once he evolves, you have the Charmeleon that's acting out as if to say, I'm trying really hard not to be sexual here, like... (laughs) The, the like, the punish me, I want to be hit, I want to be made to feel bad. I'm acting out so that you will make me feel bad. Because that's where I find comfort. But Ash never gives that to him. So, like, it's it's really easy to come across somebody like that and be like, oh, fuck no, you gotta stop what you're doing, because this isn't okay. Yeah. But Ash never truly gets behind that spirit, because he believes that there's value in everybody, which is not necessarily a negative quality, but Jesus fucking Christ, get a hold of your Charmeleon. <laughs> well, I think that's part of the thing, too. It's the reason why I say... Hmm, on the theory as a general concept is mm. because I I think of that in terms of like when a parent has a child that, you know, has an absent father or absent something in their lives. Hello. I think when that happens, the parent tries to be more understanding and mm-hmm. I think, you know, after Charmander, they kind of are allowed to get away with stuff. Two, to a degree. And... Oh, God. What? Ash is a bad parent. Yeah. So I was making connections in my brain, and just, (laughs) like, yeah, I feel that, because, like, when... Because, like, I acted out when I was really young. I was, Mm -hmm. like, four, five, six. That was my acting out stage. Okay. That's early. But, like, especially once I was about six or seven, because that's when my brother came into the world, and I didn't know how to process that. Yeah. But there is a tendency, and you spoke about like absent fathers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I realized that my mom kind of fell into that where like she had to discipline when she knew she had to discipline. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, because clearly, I mean, something's going to be wrong coming up because you don't have that sort of like paired dynamic mm-hmm. governing your upbringing. So it's almost like, I don't want to say an uncaring differentiation, but like, Something like that, where you're just like, oh shit, well, I can't make up for that. Yeah. I'll just, I'll catch it on the rebound or something, yeah. you know, along those lines. You kind of try and soften their lives a little bit. Right, and that's, because uh, you feel like that's all you can do. Yeah, exactly. That's the only and, thing like, in your power. In yeah, your clearly I can't be both parents, so what I'm going to do is just try yeah. really hard to be there in both roles and, as much as I can. And I understand, and like, that's not a judgment, like, past, I mean, as a parent, I feel like that's a horrible position to be in, regardless. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the way you phrased that, it sounded like you're a parent. But anyway. No, I was going to say, I just, I just wouldn't, I, I don't personally know, but I could not imagine having to go through that experience and yeah, trying to Yeah, I can barely imagine comfort. raising a kid in general. My, exactly. Let alone by myself. This world fucking sucks. Especially with a parent, like you said, who's just choosing to be absent. It's not like they have a good reason. They're just choosing to right. do so. Because you can't explain that to a child. Exactly. And so um, I, that's why I'm saying, like, it's not a judgment at all. I But see, again, that's that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming from when I had that, like, epiphany where, like, Damien was the father figure. He was the authoritative, the mm-hmm. this way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And Ash, I was about to say mom, Ash is more <laughs> of the, the motherly figure. Lance is working in therapy while we do this. Oh, yes. Ash is my mom. (laughs) Ash is more of the motherly figure, the intuitive one. The Mm -hmm. Yeah, just let him work out his creativity. Let him work it out in his own way. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. 
and because there's no balance there, because clearly he's not going to listen to Brock or Misty, because there was a lack of balance there, all he could do was work it out his own way. And his own way was to be like, well, I'll show them bitches. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing. It's definitely... I think that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's more so because, again, the fact that he does feel so safe to express himself Mm -hmm. does show that even though Ash definitely has a lot of issues and doesn't always make a lot of good decisions, uh, (laughs) he doesn't make a lot of good decisions, he does try and make sure everyone's safe. In his own way, yes. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, he, in his mind, he's doing the best he can. You know what I mean? Yeah. He He is not, so, like, he is very much the motherly instinct he wants to make sure everybody's safe protected is happy yes but he lacks the discipline that's brought by the father figure which makes sense because his fucking dad is where don't judge i mean his new dad is mr mime let's be honest and there it is look there are actual pokedex entries that suggest that but we'll get into that i am loving to but i'm also horrified too (laughs) <laughs> you should be horrified. Uh, I'm so curious now. I'm just like, oh, I really want to know. We'll get there because we still got uh, what kind of Pokemon are you and our gym teams. But I did not mean to derail us for like a half fucking hour on Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I, I will say, like, I do like the fact that they do have all these kind of issues because it's a good way to address them with public life and be like, hey, you see this? This is a problem here, so maybe, you know, look in the mirror a little bit more. Right. So, like, that was a big thing, especially when I started butting into my teens. Because mm-hmm. I started to hit a second rebellious streak when I hit my teen years. Ooh. And all it took was me sitting down and rewatching Pokemon and seeing how Charmeleon treats Ash and how hurt Ash would get. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Oh. that that's going to be real bad. So it kind of curbed my my wild side until I moved out and went to college. And, you know, that's when my life went to shit. (laughs) Well, that's where, yeah. (laughs) Happy Earth Night.